Coming up on episode three of Adventures in Broadcasting, we're joined in studio by Dallas radio legend, board hop extraordinaire, Psycho Dave Martin. If you've been around Dallas-Fort Worth radio for any amount of time, you know who Psycho Dave is. The man needs no introduction, but we sit down and talk about all things broadcasting, all things ticket, and what Dave is up to these days. Check it out. Tune in for segment one, episode three of Adventures in Broadcasting, dropping today, July 4th, baby. But completely in solitude, just building bicycles, and I needed the talk radio to keep me company. And so that's how I learned about the ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it's a that's a pretty great little crew, actually. Kevin yeah. Scott. Little uh, Joe Letchy was the producer. I remember Joe. He was around when I first started yeah. in promotions, and he's... Still around. He's still over there, yeah. He's still doing something with them. And so I started with the Bob Sturm show at night. I don't. I think that lasted maybe a year. No, it didn't. It, it, it maybe because I don't remember the timeline. But Rocco got fired pretty quickly after I got there. It, he went on the rent and went crazy and started bashing Rhines and doing all that crazy stuff. And so at that point, um, it turned into the hot spot. And that's also where the fake Bruce Gilbert came in, which wasn't a good idea. I should have gotten fired a long time ago. Um, <laughs> that, which was a great show. The hot spot was, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm still, I just Facebook friended, uh, Kevin and oh, he's cool. Yeah. He's, he's still around and doing well and still working in the business, yeah, but he's I, still doing it. they were always really nice guys and sweet. And I still talk to David Robinson. It was, a, it was a fun show. They both, yeah. they had, they had a fun chemistry together. They did. So the hot spot starts, and um, I remember uh, when the hot spot started, I decided it was a good idea to start doing the fake Bruce Gilbert around the station, and rumor got back to him that I was doing that crap, and because <laughs> the show was just starting, I would sit in there with them and just try to get a feel for what they were wanting from me and all that other stuff, and I was sitting in one of the show meetings one night, and Bruce walks in, and he goes... Uh, guys, I need to talk to you, but first, Psycho, I need you to do the fake me. I was like, I got to go, Bruce. I got drops. To-. He goes, you're not leaving. You're doing the fake me. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> and so I did it. And he goes, okay, get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so what was Bruce at that time? Was he the program director for the, the program ticket? Director. Bruce was the program director. Jeff Catlin was the assistant program director and the producer of the Hardline. That's right, the Catman of the Americas yeah. and all Portuguese-speaking peoples. And there's another one, Catman of the Americas and all the cheap asses or something like that. I can't remember how it goes, but yes, there's there was two of them. Well, I the first thing I, I, I just have little bits and pieces I remember about first listening to it, but I remember Jeff Catlin's metal influence on the show, and I just oh, always remember. He, he's always He still loves that crap or that stuff. <laughs> I like some of it, too, but... I mean, some of that's a little too heavy for me, but I do like heavy metal. Well, it it was always a pretty fun show, and I, I, it, it's not a surprise that he is still around in the business because no. he, I always felt the sh- that the hard line was was really great and probably a little bit better when Jeff Kylan was the producer. Nothing against Danny was a good guy too, and I mm-hmm. I always liked the show with him in it, but it was a different animal completely. I mean, it was a totally was. different show. It was mostly different in uh, personnel too, uh, oh, yeah. but. Um, it, it was a, it, it got better, but it, it, it I, that, that's one thing I could say about the ticket and the hard line in general. Mm-hmm. It got better and better, and it's it, and even in its current form, there's still 
they're still doing really well. They're uh, I'm I glad so I'm glad they're still around and, and and in their current incarnation makes the most sense to me. Like mm-hmm. it it made sense that Reiner was going to move on and do something else and oh, yeah. you know kind of pass the torch a little bit. And you know I. I kind of like that, but I'm, I'm a little bit biased probably because I'm we're Gen X. Oh, yeah. So we want to see our our peers, uh, you know, succeeding and advancing. Finally, it's that mm-hmm. it's that weird thing. If you like there's been a lot of people leaving the station lately. But um, mm-hmm. at the same time, like it's it's that if you stick around long enough, it'll eventually happen for you. Like if you oh, wait, no it, eventually yeah. something's going to pop for you. If you if you hang around long enough, if you have the means to hang around that yeah. long, you know, more power to you. I'm, I'm happy for guys like Dave. I Lane. just thought about something. I screwed that up. It was the ender first and then the hot spot because whenever I got noon to seven, it was the hot spot that I left and moved up to the hard line and bought bad radio. So I got that backwards. It was actually Mark Followell and Doogie whenever, uh, when Bob Stern moved to Dave's. Right. And which that was a great combo as well. Yes. Yeah. So, and speaking of, I've always, and I, I guess I'm too humble to put myself in it, but I've always thought that the best hard line ever was when it was Jeff Catlin, Mark Followell, Ryans, and Grego. I've always, and Expo. Yeah. I've always thought that was a really great hard line right there. That was, and I, I don't know that it ever got topped. I just think they were really good at that in those days. I mean, just, that was the greatness of the hard line right there, in my opinion. It was. And yeah. I, I I what I remember the most about those times is how tight the show was and like yes. how on the money and exactly the same the formatics were every day. Oh, yeah. Mike would do his haze gray and underway oh, yeah. spiel. And all the drops of everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember all that. It it was it was a really fun thing to be a part of. It was it was a fun station to listen to as just a listener first, mm-hmm. but then to eventually go and work with your heroes that you'd love listening to on the radio so much. I mean, that was kind of a fun the the most fun you could have at work like if if you were inspired as a kid by radio and then oh, you get a job one day going and you yeah. sit next to the guys that are on the radio like so i was going to ask you you said that you knew you wanted that lady at the grocery store asked you what are you going to do with your life what what was it or who was it that inspired you to want to be on the radio like was it one one particular dj or what was it Pretty much was one particular DJ. Um, for me, whenever I was a kid, my mother, I was maybe five. No, I had to be about seven because this was, my dad was no longer around. They'd already been divorced. But my mother was trying to teach me about music and trying to help me to figure out what kind of music do I like. Do I like rock and roll? Do I like country? Which music do I like? And she turned it on to a country radio station at that time. And it already started to get my attention, but I, I tried to pay more attention to the music. Cause I, when I heard the DJ, it, it just caught me. I was like, how's he doing that? What's he doing? I, my, my curiosity really got going at that point. And I quickly learned I really wasn't, I mean, I didn't hate it or anything, but I wasn't into it. I said, country's really not the thing I like at this point. So she turned it over to what was, it changed to the Oasis at one point, but what was 106.1 Kiss FM the first time, and they played pop, that 80s pop music, and I dug that stuff. And so she turned it over there, 
And the guy now does overnights on K-Love. I think it's voice tracked, but I'm not for sure of that. His name is Jim Zippo. And so I, I would listen to him do mornings on Kiss FM. Him and Gail Lightfoot. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. There's a name. She's yeah, been around forever in a day. Forever, yes. And there's also a lady on there named Rose Wright, who I recently figured out within the last few years she passed away. Um, I think that was from Gail posting it on Facebook. But um, anyway, so I started listening to Jim Zippo. And I, I thought, man, that sounds so cool. That is so fun. And I still couldn't figure out how it worked. And I started listening to Pete Thompson on 92 and a half KAFM. And I, I the mean, same Pete Thompson we know. Yes. The one that used to be general manager of K sky. Yeah. And in fact, I whipped his ass about that when I got hired. Um, <laughs> he goes, you must've been just a kid. I go, I was, but I remember you very well. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so I started listening to those guys and I mean, I thought it was so cool. Cause like with Pete Thompson, he went out to this, I think this little nightclub or something. And I thought this was the coolest thing because I didn't understand how they could do it because he was broadcasting on live on TV and radio. And I thought it was the coolest freaking thing to be able to turn the TV up and the radio and hear the exact same thing. I don't know what I found so cool about it, but it was cool. <laughs> the simulcast. The simulcast. And I thought simulcasting was the coolest thing ever. It's like, whoa, they're badass. They can do that. And I was like, man, that's so cool. And so I started listening to that. Well, Zippo. I don't know what happened, but he got moved to middays and they moved in two guys by the name of Walton and Johnson. They, and they've been through the market a couple of times, but not lasted. And they're still around. One of them's dead. Um, but, uh, then they moved to mornings and I learned to like them and I liked them pretty well. I don't like them anymore because they're so dang political. Their jokes aren't funny to me anymore. They used to be humorous. And this is here in, in Dallas Fort Worth, yeah, right? That what? was on Kiss FM 106.1. Before it switched to the Oasis and then it switched back to the current Kiss FM that it is now. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so Zippo moves to middays and I decide it's a good idea to start calling the man every freaking day and bugging him because I was crazy about this. I was like, man, how do you do this? How do you? I just kept questioning. And then I go, I want to meet you. And I asked him if he ever came to Fort Worth. He goes, we don't do it very often, but we do come to Fort Worth every once in a while. Come out and see me sometime. Well, this went on for a few months and I was like really wanting to meet him. Uh, I mean, I kept calling him. I bugged the heck out of that guy. He <laughs> he should hate me today. Um, but I caught, uh, finally I called him one day. He goes, look, we're going to be at a grand open at McDonald's in Dallas. And he gave me the address, had me write it down and stuff. And this was way ahead. I mean, like maybe a month or two before it was ever going to happen. He goes, come out and meet me. And I said, okay, cool. I went in there quick as I could and asked my mother, would she take me? And she goes, yes, I'll take you. We'll go. Because she knew I wasn't going to leave her alone. So the day comes and she sits here and she goes, Dave, I can't take you to go see Zippo. I cried. She broke my freaking heart. <laughs> I was like, no, you can't do this to me. Absolutely not. I literally threw a temper tantrum. I lost it. I, I totally lost. It was like I lost my best friend. I, I couldn't stand it. And this went on for a little bit. And, uh, it's probably about 11 o'clock in the morning. He was off the air at two that day. So, uh, she asked her brother, my uncle, 
She goes, would you please take this little shit to go see Zippo? So he'll <laughs> shut up. She was mad at me at this point. And, uh, and he goes, yes, I'll take him. So he takes me over there to the McDonald's and I meet Zippo and I'm sitting there looking for all this equipment. And all it is, of course, cell phones weren't around at that point. All it is is a telephone and a microphone. He has a telephone and a microphone and that's all he's got. So that's pretty cool. And he was, the, the thing was packed. It was hard for me to get up there and talk to him. And I still have the thing today and I've not lost it and I will never lose it. I don't think, um, but, um, he, I got up there to him and I told him who I was and he, he was nice enough to talk to me and let me just look around at the microphone and stuff. He was really cool to me and he goes, Hey, thanks for coming out. And he gave me the kiss FM koozie. And I said, would you sign that? He goes, absolutely. And he signed it for me. And I was like, that is so odd. I, I was seven eight seven one zero six one. Be the yeah. ninth, de- be the ninth caller. Dave in Fort Worth is on the line. He's won tickets to Debbie yeah. Gibson. <laughs> so I idolized that thing for the rest of my freaking life until I got into the business. And now it's I've met so many of them. It 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 doesn't help this. I mean, it has meaning because my dreams have come true for me. But other than that, it's like okay, he's just a disc jockey. <laughs> And I mean, I was the kind of the same way because when I started at the ticket, I remember when they were taking me on the tour and I don't know if you remember the guy or not, but Roger Wicker was the morning board up before I do remember Jeremy. him. And, uh, I remember going in there with Jeff Catlin and Chris Arnold was on the air and because of the nerd that I am, because I did not have to like the format of a station, I didn't have to care about the music. I could listen to it because I wanted to hear how I wanted to hear the brand of the station, the jingles, the liners. I wanted to hear the jocks. I wanted to hear how it all played out. Yeah, I really <laughs> wanted to hear all that stuff. And Chris Arnold was on K104 with Tom Joyner at that time, and I would listen to him. And I literally got starstruck by Chris Arnold when I walked in the ticket. <coughs> and um, I, I was so star. I was like, that is freaking Chris Arnold because – I've always been a Mavs fan. I saw him on TV doing the Mavs games. I, I mean, I was starstruck. I was like, oh, my God, that is Chris Arnold. That he was is the coolest. so freaking cool. I, I adored that man. And he was probably, he was my first favorite show on the ticket. But yeah. at the time, he was probably the most talented, like, yeah. solo host. All the other yeah. uh, group, uh, all the other shows were duos, but Chris Arnold was kind of he by was himself. Single. He was, uh, well, not single, but you know what I'm trying to say. Corby added a nice element, and I really loved Corby as uh-huh. a the producer, and it was he was a fun connection. But right. Chris was pretty talented on his own and like really entertaining. He was. I enjoyed Chris. I've all. I've always enjoyed listening to, I'll still listen to Chris when I know he's on the fan. I'll listen to him. And I mean, I don't have to like, but I just, I love Chris Arnold. I think he's awesome. And I'll never forget when Danny Bayless got married the first time and I did something really stupid afterwards, but I went out and I'd already made the name for myself. I had already started taking my way, making my way through the ticket and things had started working for me. And <laughs> Chris Arnold was out there. And uh, me and Chris sat there and talked radio, 
and drank beer and he just he was like man no nah, don't get discouraged psycho come on he goes you just gotta and he kept giving me advice and just talk and got me drunk as ever <laughs> and that was the, the bad part about that was is i was in my 20s and i was stupid enough to try to drive home from dallas when i lived in southwest fort worth Uh-oh. i don't know how i made it home i should have been dead or in jail but i did and uh <clears throat> but i remember just him taking a lot and it just i was like man chris arnold likes me that's freaking cool and i was like oh man and i i, I thought i'd made it at that point i was like chris arnold loves me that's cool <laughs> do you remember your first shift your first solo board shift for the ticket like do you do you remember it um or what show it was as far as flying solo i think as far as a live show it was that george Dejani. i don't think he says it that way anymore he's changed it up but the fitness guy the train station yeah the train station and i had that on saturday afternoons and then um when Danny Bayless got hired, I remember him and Kat started doing a show on Saturday afternoons for a little bit. That didn't last very long, but I remember Danny getting hired, and then he started being the producer of The Ender at that point. But I remember that, and but I think it was, as far as by myself, it was George. And then I started I started working with Elfenbein, Mark Elfenbein for a little bit. And he was really cool, but I always had Joe Lecce there to help me out if I got lost or anything. But by that time, I pretty much had it down as far as the board. But there was one time when the what they used as the routing system to do all the remotes, the ARS as it was called. Mm-hmm. And um, th- I remember that thing went completely out and we lost everything. And I had to have Joe's help because I had no idea what the hell to do. And so we found a ticket CD that had bits and started playing that because we couldn't find anything in Enco to play. And so that happened and I got through it. But Mark Elfenbein was like really cool because I wasn't really great at the drops at that time. And he was he was he would laugh at it even if it wasn't that funny. Right. (laughs) He was cool. So I was going to ask you, how was it? that you came to learn the art of the drop. I mean, I know it was a part of the station ethos and, you know, part of a a part of what made all that work was called the ENCO. Yeah. The D-A-D, the digital ENCO. Yes. And so did you just have to learn how to play it like an instrument, like any other instrument or how did you, do you remember the first time you played a drop and got a reaction? Yes. I was on the Bob Sturm show at night. And I had fired several really bad place drops on the Bob Sturm show, and they all looked at me because I did not, I didn't get it at first. And little Joe was trying to coach me along a little bit, and uh, and he did. And so I remember the first time, and I don't remember the drop it was, but I remember the first drop I played. And Joe Lecce was on the air with Bob at that time, and as soon as I hit that drop, and they laughed at it, Joe goes. Way to go, Dave. That's the way what we want from you. Good job. He goes, <laughs> keep that up right there. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll do that. And so, I mean, after that, it slowly got going. And uh, I then they started having the Dexter Coakley show. And I played some drops that probably sh- could have offended him. And they looked at me kind of funny, but they said they were funny. But I think it made Dexter start liking me. <laughs> so is that... That, that was your feedback sitting at the board if you yeah. got side eye through the glass oh yeah if I got if I got a reaction or some laughter that 
they they let me know it was good. They at first, and then as it kind of goes on, you know, there's drops that they can't help but notice. But you know how the ticket works. There's some drops that are funny, but the hosts aren't going to react to them. So on the flip side of that, yeah. I'm picturing a scene out of Good Morning Vietnam as the program director's running down the hall to get you know Robin Williams off the air. So I have to wonder to myself if there's Dave. Sitting in the control room, is Bruce Gilbert or somebody else running down the hall at any point to come and ask you, what the hell are you doing? I never had that. Ha- the only time I had that happen is, and he didn't really ask me what the hell I'm doing. He just told me to not do it again, um, <laughs> was when the Hey Rich drop was developed or came along because uh, Bob offered me. There's different numbers, and I don't really remember. I thought it was 50 bucks, but he said he was like 25, and I don't. it doesn't matter. He offered me money to do it. Rich, Filler, Rich Phillips was broadcasting from Texas Motor Speedway, and he goes, I want you to go on the mic. I'll pay you to go on there and ask him to ask him if his racing pants are going crazy. <laughs> and I did. And that is when, because it was a ticket ticker, and I quickly learned we don't mess with the ticket ticker like that. Um that is when I got in trouble. Bruce goes, uh, we we don't play drops and do that during tickers. That was funny, but don't do it again. Like, okay. <laughs> well, Rich, Rich Phillips is a very serious broadcaster, so you don't want to mess around with the ticket no, ticker. The ticket ticker was taken very seriously. You didn't mess with it back then, and I think it's still held like that, but I don't know that. You uh, you would speaking of the ticket ticker. I I one of my favorite things about the ticket was always their their repetitive formatics. They would say the same thing uh-huh. every. They'd say, "Remember the time you spent listening to the Hardline here on Sports Radio thirteen ten." The ticket. There was no ninety six seven yet at that time. There was no ninety six seven. There was no seventeen hundred. It was plain thirteen ten at that time. And they'd say, and climbing Mount Twelve Big Ones this afternoon. It's Mark Followell. And it was like, I'm screw Mark, it all. Don't I'm be moving to, to get stuck. I'm moving to Austin. Screw it all or something like that. They <laughs> screw would, it all. I'm moving on. <laughs> Mark, let me tell you something. Don't be afraid to get stuck today. <laughs> All right, well, that's a good place to pause, and uh, we can have something to drink, have something to smoke, if you would like. I don't know if you're hungry. Oh, you recorded all that? Oh, boy. No, that's going to go somewhere. Dave, this is a podcast, okay? You're sitting in front of a microphone. What did you think was Uh, going to happen? Well, I mean, I could have sat a little closer. Hopefully, these things are fairly sensitive. I could have sat a little bit closer. I have... You could... Well, when we come back, you can put it in front of your face, but... uh, I didn't... I didn't... I, I know it was... Doing something over there, but I didn't realize it was recording. That was kind of stupid. That video. Well, no, it's it's okay. I mean, the, the whole idea in doing it this way is that you're just we're just having a conversation. Yeah, you know what I mean. We're there. Yeah. It's not like when the cameras and the studio lights come on yeah. and there's a sign that says live. Live. You know? <laughs> live. My I shift when I when when I hear you're uh-huh. live in three two. I shift and do checkpoint learning webinars powered by Thompson Reuters. In the background, I'm going, shit, no, damn it. What? She's Her connection's dropped, whatever. Like, I'm cussing and yelling in the background. Then oh, if I man. get back onto the mic, I'm like, to earn your CPE credit, <laughs> click the I am present button. <laughs> it's like, it's funny. Uh, I had some good times at the ticket. Ah, uh, Yes. Come here, psycho. Let me cup your bikes. 
I, I, I really, I enjoyed listening to his podcast. I listened to it. it's your your dark companion. I, mm-hmm. I listened to I it on. To it. I went to Vegas last month and listened to it. We had a, a, a four hour delay on the tarmac, so I listened to Reiner for mm-hmm. four hours. But I think yeah, he's 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 really in his element. It, I, I, just as a solo talk show like podcast, I I think it's a really great little program for him. It's perfect because his style of convo conversations right. real real distinctive you know he's got the real um dusky kind of voice he's always used to say that the dusky dulcets i'm like nobody's voice is more dusky than mike yeah. reiner but <laughs> dusky dulcet i can't say it of genie muscoro right yes i i really enjoyed the his conversation with dan mcdowell um, that was really cool i like that one too i i i was really liked dan as a guy and he was always really pretty friendly and i knew Dan was cool. I knew he leaned stoner because he would always without like I wasn't at the time, but he would always ask me, are you high? I'd be I'd just get a laugh and I'd go, I'd go, well, no, not at this moment, man. But it's nine o'clock in the morning. But thanks for asking. (laughs) His story was really was fun to listen to and a real genuine experience like, you know, like a a true Uh Radio story. It happens. You're just an ordinary guy. You're flat broke. You're rolling into town in a car that's about to be repossessed. You're bouncing around, you know, oh, like WKRP, you know, town to town, up and down the dial. Right. But here he, he gets this stroke of fate and mm-hmm. ends up at the ticket and ends up meeting up with Bob and, you know, the rest is history that we were kind of there for the beginning of and to, mm-hmm. to witness as witness them come together and then watch them grow. And you know what I mean? I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I always appreciate it. it was, but it was fun to listen to his story because you, I think it, it's easy to build up an idea in your head about who somebody is after listening to them mm-hmm. on the radio, but True. listening to him tell the real story, he's, he's, he's still, I felt keeping it real. Like I, mm-hmm. I didn't get the sense that, he he was anything but like humble about the his position in life and as a as a, what a rarity it is to be a successful host for as long as he has i feel like i i got the sense that he appreciates the rarity of that error and same with bob i i really like i i like bob a lot more with corby mm-hmm. i i i i really bob and dan had a fun chemistry like kind of like a a husband and wife in a way but with Corby, I feel Bob's a lot more fun. And like my my impression of Bob is totally changed. I felt mm-hmm. that he was probably I, I pictured him to be a lot more conservative than he actually is. Mm-hmm. And they've been keeping it a lot more real lately, even on to, in the hard line and talking about current events and stuff. They weren't. They they haven't been afraid to talk about things like school shootings and the things that are happening in the news. And I, I really I, I that improved my opinion. Like I never had a bad opinion of Bob, mm-hmm. but you got the impression that he since he went to Liberty and since he was like he, maybe he, he must be super duper yeah. Christian. But that wasn't the case. And he's he, he's I, I think he's he's found the right home on the hard line with 